0: What is going on? I want to welcome you from half court for today, Wednesday, November 23rd, twenty twenty two. I am your host, Sean Murphy, alongside my boy, uh, Jeff. I afraid it, my man. Good to see you as always, brother.
1: Oh, good to see you guys too, man. I'm excited. I know the Pistons haven't won a road game, but listen. Feels like they
0: haven't won a game in a while, Jeff.
1: Well, that's very true, Sean. Not, not a lot of winning, but still, last night in Sacramento, shootout. Absolute shootout. No defense being played, but... This is where we are right now, Sean. This is mm-hmm. where we are.
0: We are in the dog days, my friend, but it's never feeling like a dog day when we're joined by this guy. It is my friend, Troy. Survey. Troy, do you ever get sick of that?
2: No, not really. Not when it's coming from your mouth, Sean. Uh, <laughs> Wait, hold
0: up. Hold up.
2: Yeah. yeah hey, hold
0: yeah. up. Yeah. Anyway. No, I'm kidding. Presume.
2: Yeah, doing good on this end. Um I was just telling you guys before we hit the the record button best road game of the year yesterday against the Kings. I know we came up short. I know Jeff, you mentioned, but it's kind of a tale of two teams who didn't know how to play defense, in some <laughs> fashions. But at the end of the day, uh, we saw development on the offensive guy, um, offensive end, by a lot of our guys, especially Ivy and and uh, Duran too. Um, our two rookies was, was the big things that I like to see yesterday, and I got to see it. So, um, absolutely, I'm sure there's things to be concerned about, but for, for the end of the day, I am very happy with um, the direction of this team, even if the record box doesn't show it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about that direction of this team because this is From Half Court and Every Week. We talk all things NBA basketball, but we have a focus on our Detroit Pistons. If you like that, sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, and share the podcast with your friends and join in the conversation down below. Also, be sure you follow all of us on social media so you can join us in the conversation on other platforms. You can follow myself at Sean Half Court. You can follow my guy Jeff at Jeff I. Frady, and you can follow my boy Troy, At Troy Sergi 44. But with that, gentlemen, let's talk NBA basketball. Let's talk Detroit Pistons. Let's discuss everything going on in the world of Pistons land. Because at its current point, I would say that we have reached the darkest days of the Restoration. I don't mean that in the sense that I don't think there's anything to be doomed and gloomed about. I don't think there's anything... To be overly afraid of, but I would say rather we're in probably the least fun stages of the rebuild to date just because of what uh, what news was was broken earlier this week. According to, you know, Shams and confirmed and and backed by every, you know, Pistons beat writer and now even announced by the team. Cade Cunningham will be missing an indefinite time due to a feared stress fracture in his shin the Detroit Pistons are currently at this point three and 15 and currently are in a situation now where they've lost seven in a row. They're still searching for their first road win. And even though games are getting closer and closer, even though young guys are playing better and better, uh, there's a lot of people, uh, calling for jobs, calling for change. And I think, you know, we, we've addressed this quite a bit on this pod. So I don't, I don't really feel like retreading that conversation. Uh, just because at this time, I don't think, I don't think there's any reason to give it energy. However, what I do want to talk about is both what, what reasons we can be optimistic, but also what things have you concerned? Because I think there is reason to feel both ways, right? Like, even though, like, I think they're playing really good basketball. I think Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran are both, you know shown a lot of signs and development i think there's a lot of improvement this team still hasn't really shown a whole lot defensively and i think that is a problem yep. yeah or with you where are you at with this team currently what are your thoughts and what do you want to see change
1: Well, I'll start with the things that have been encouraging, and no doubt you've already kind of hit it on. It's player development, right? I mean, for Ivy and Duran to get the opportunities they've gotten, and a lot of that frustration honestly has to do with the fact that this team hasn't been healthy together. I mean, you're waiting on Bagley and and, uh, uh, Burks to get here, and and then you lose uh, Isaiah Stewart, you lose Cade. So, again, this team really hasn't had an opportunity to be able to grow and, and play with an entire healthy lineup. But you've liked what you've seen out of the young guys. You've, you've liked how, you know, the additions like a Bojan Bogdanovic, the impact he's had being really playing some of his best basketball of his career. There, there's a lot of things to look forward to, especially for the future. Um, things that have frustrated me, though. It, it, to be honest with you, I guess a lot of frustration has to do with the fact that I wanted to see Cade and Ivy for an entire season. Now you, you don't really have that anymore. Um, from a coaching standpoint, there's been things that have frustrated me for Dwayne Casey, but again, Mm -hmm. that's in context of 15 games. That also is in context of Dwayne, again, not having an entire healthy lineup. That's also in context with the fact that you're relying on two young guards, now one young guard really, or at least to be your, the dude, I mean, Killian's a young guard, but his role and Jay Nivey's role are just completely different. So again, that's frustrating to see. You'd like Dwayne to be given all of the that those resources but from Dwayne's perspective just just to hit on last night for that Sacramento game what frustrated me in in that game especially down the stretch is two things one and and this isn't you know, it doesn't always have to be on Dwayne. It could be, you know, young guards deferring. But Bo Young handling the ball late, you know, in the game, that frustrated me. I think he ended the game with like five turnovers. I, I don't want to see Bo Young. I know he's our best player technically. But in those situations, you just give the ball to Ivy and get out of the way. Like, that's what I want to see. But again, you don't know if Ivy was deferring, letting Bo young take the mm-hmm. ball. Up. If anything, if, if that's what happened, you want Ivy to be like, give me the ball right now. But again, I'm not gonna say that's Dwayne's fault. But what yeah. I didn't like that I that was more so on Dwayne is putting Bagley at center like in the last minute or two of the game and really banking on him, getting those offensive rebounds, playing, uh, really playing defense on these guys and knowing Bagley isn't the best defender, especially interior his defense uh, around the basket. Just isn't what you'd like from a five man. Now he's a, he's a true four. I know he's six 11. He has really all the, the measurables to be a five. He just isn't, he just isn't. And that's what frustrated me. I'd like to see Durant down the stretch, but again, am I nitpicking? Probably they still had one of their better offensive performances. It really comes down to th- those points could have been prevented earlier in the game to, to have a shootout like that late in the game. If you want to nitpick, go ahead. But those are the things that have frustrated me, really. It's not too much because, again, it is a rebuild. Like It's yeah. hard to nitpick a team that you expected to be bad. Well, so,
0: those are and there's legitimate criticisms there, I think. You know, yeah, I think you no know, doubt. in my opinion, like listen, there's no coach that's gonna be perfect. I think Jay I think I think playing Jalen Duran uh you know over Marvin Bagley should have been the move against Sacramento. I'm not gonna disagree with that at all. I also am not gonna call for somebody's job off of one decision made in November right. in the middle of a rebuild. So I think the other piece of it too is that you have to look at um, you know, you have to look at this from a big picture. And I think especially, you know, I think we're at the point now, I, I said at the beginning of the season, if you kept playing this way, that my argument was just not going to be there to argue against this anymore. And Troy, I think I'm at that point. I think Jalen duran has got to start. I think yeah. he's got to start this week. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think just his aggressiveness, too, on the offensive end, too, has been what's impressed me. And I, we know the guy could play defense. We know the guy um, is a true big man uh, in this league as far as his physicality around the rim on both ends of the spectrum. But I feel like he's a guy that brings the energy when. You know, I, I, I just don't really like Bagley, I guess, at that five role, like Jeff mentioned. I think he, the more traditional four is what we should yeah. be uh, looking at him t- uh, as far as a realistic role. But I feel like Duran has proved himself already because of just he's a smart basketball player, too. Yeah. And you don't really see that a lot at guys his age. He knows how to play the game. And for me, I feel like even though he's a young guy, even though he's a rookie, even though he has a lot to learn, he helps this team, too, with his basketball IQ. And uh, there's just so much to touch on with Jalen Duran, but um and
0: just gotta come out of high school,
2: right? Right, right. And and to just um summarize you, know, your, your first question to Jeff then too. Um for me, the losses become a little easier when we see the production and the player development that we're seeing with these younger guys, mm-hmm. especially Killian too. I know we talked about him last yeah. week too, but yeah, he's been he had a great game last night against Sacramento as mm-hmm. we we're recording.
0: Well, I mean, the, the other difference is last game, last time we talked about it, it was a one or two game sample size. Sure. Now we have a little bit more of a significant sample size to say that Killian Hayes has been playing good basketball all the way. In fact, it's almost getting to the point where he's been playing good basketball for almost, you know, for, you know, almost like a third of the season, you know, it's going to get to the point where the good games are going to outweigh the bad games. And, you know, especially if he keeps heading in the, you know, at this pace. So since, uh, you know, since the first Boston game, which is the last game that Cades played in uh Killian Hayes has averaged 11 points, 4.7 assists, three rebounds on 42% from the field, 42% from beyond the arc. That's significant improvement over where he was. And we've always said if Killian could just be a, even just a 10 and five guy yeah. with the defense that he brings, that's value. And so if he keeps heading in that direction. Killian Hayes to be a damn good player, and especially mm-hmm. his performance, you know, against the Lakers, in my opinion, was his best game of his professional career. Yeah. That was a that was a fun one to watch. Yeah, and I think another thing you could take
1: away from it is, yes, the injuries aren't good. And I think Troy hit on it already. When you see the player development, it makes these losses a little easier to swallow. And, and given the opportunity that Killian, Jaden Ivey, hell, even Durin with Isaiah Stewart going out. These guys getting all of the opportunities, all of the touches in the season where you're not you don't really have much expectations. I think that's the best case scenario, right? Like this is going to help them. I think develop for Killian. It's hard when he's playing ten to fifteen minutes to truly know. And now you throw him in the starting lineup. He's playing significant minutes. He, he's in a much more significant role. I, I, I that's great to see for for a lot of these guys. So I think that's been another positive: is putting these guys right. You know, throwing them right out. You know, into the fire and seeing how they respond. And so far, I know the, the wins aren't there. Their individual statistics—they've responded, so that's another good thing to to look for with these guys going out.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and, and listen, there's still moments, and there's still a lot of areas that Jalen Duran has to grow. I think is I think his offensive game is still insanely raw. I I, I don't think oh, that's yeah. a secret. I think you know I think the the when he's been at his best is when he's you know been on the on the receiving end of lobs, and when he's been getting second chance opportunities at the rim with his rebounding and his ability to stuff it up in the you know stuff it up in the rim. And a lot of people are giving him the Andre Drummond comparisons because you know they're, they're certainly there as far as the the potential that he brought, the youth that he had, the athleticism, like the the archetype and the potential that Andre yeah. Drummond represented, right? But I think you know the the difference is how insanely committed he is to the defensive end from day one. The head the the, the, the head that he's bringing in between, you know, the, what he has between his ears compared to what Andre had. You guys got to remember when Andre Drummond was drafted, the questions about him weren't his talent. They were his passion. They were his mentality. They were his Mm -hmm. commitment to the game. No one's questioning that with Jalen Duran. No. No one's questioning if Jalen Duran's bringing it on a night-to-night basis.
2: And those questions are still being asked to Drummond, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. (laughs) I mean, he's playing pretty well in Chicago right now, but he's a backup big when he shouldn't be. Right. Right. Like that's, let's just call it the way it is. So I, you know, like obviously Andre Drummond, like at his peak, at the peak of his powers is still a damn good NBA player. So it's not an insult to compare to that by any means. But I think in my opinion, I've seen more and more of the Dwight Howard with him every time he stepped on the court. And Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, every time I watch him play, you know, I know he's, I know he's being considered as one of the steals of this draft for good reason. And, you know, it's, it's just another feather on the cap for Troy Weaver. It really is. is.
1: Yeah, the guy has incredible ball instincts. Like we watched, we, we went to the first game, the home opener, home opener, and you saw the impact he had right away. His first NBA game, bright lights, he's 18 years old, now 19. He just turned 19 recently. And, and you just saw the impact immediately. Like it was, it was it was crazy to see for for someone his age with, like you said, Sean, raw offensive ability, defensively, I mean, the guy is going 110% all the time. And the second chance points he's helped provide the Pistons as of late. I mean, the way he's trending, you're going to start having that conversation. Even at nineteen, is he your starting center? Especially with Isaiah Stewart out. Like he's he's been definitely one of the bright spots of this team so far, especially a team that's needed someone like Duran with that size, his defensive presence. He fits he fits a huge hole on this team from last year.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now listen, the wins are are still going to be few and far between. This team still has a lot of areas where they got to grow and get better. However, Part of that's just getting guys back in the lineup. Part of that is them just learning how to play together and learning how to win together. Yep. Part of it is they just need some luck to go their way too because it's just been, you know, you want to talk about Murphy's Law, like whatever can go wrong will go wrong. That's been the start of their season so far, right? So I think, you know, I ultimately, you know, this season was always about development. This season was always about being competitive and seeing where we can be. And even though it might not look like it in the win column right now, this team's looked way more competitive over the last two, two weeks than they did at the beginning of the season. They really have. Mm-hmm. So
2: and that's what we want. We want those yeah. competitive games. And, and really, if you remember two years ago, uh, the Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart's rookie a year, a lot of the games, as far as what you watch, the competitiveness is similar. Now, you could make the argument too that we're two years into the restoration from those days. We should be seeing better basketball played. But I would argue, in some ways, we are. It's just the league's getting deeper. Our opponents are getting better, and we have to catch up.
0: Yeah, well, even then, too, just, like, the 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 composition of the team has changed. Back then, like, especially, like, that rookie year with, with Sadiq and Isaiah Stewart, those rookies certainly had roles, but they were more limited in, in context, whereas guys like... You know, Jeremy Grant did a lot of the heavy lifting those years, which you could say, you know, Boyan certainly is taking heavy lifting on the offensive end, but he's certainly not doing on the defensive end yeah, what Jeremy. Jeremy Grant did. But in addition, you know these these guys are you know year three guys they're they're running the show now. There's no there's no questions like this is their team. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I think. You know, there, there, are, there are ways where this team is different than that team. And there are ways where this team has grown from then. It's, and I know it's hard to see, especially when it's frustrating to watch your team lose on a night-to-night basis. Of course, you know, I, of course it's tough to tune in and watch them consistently lose. But, again, this isn't really a bad season to be losing games when we talk about what's, what's, what's looming in the lottery. Whether it's a Victor Wimbenyama, whether it's literally anyone else. Because this is supposed to be one of the best draft lotteries of all time beyond Victor Wimbenyama. So just mm-hmm. saying, whatever you get in this draft lottery is going to help your team going forward. So in that, we talk about the cap space again that's going to be coming as well. Mm-hmm. You're time. in good shape, man. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Especially Big
1: time. In, a, in, a, in a deep, deep Eastern Conference in the fact that, I mean, quite frankly, the team currently constructed. It's not complete It's far from it. So there's, there's plenty of work to do. Um, and you look at the schedule too, to start the season. I mean, they played one of the tougher schedules in the NBA for a young team. I mean, you had Milwaukee back-to-back golden state, which they won, but still Atlanta back-to-back. I mean, it these, was no joke. And these it aren't no
0: excuses. Joke. This is just the reality no, of the situation.
1: Just, they're good teams. Like, it's yeah. not an excuse. I mean, it, but you know, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, Another thing in Pistons land, guys. This was a really interesting tweet that came out yesterday. Stanley Johnson, former oh. Detroit Pistons lottery pick, was asked about his thoughts on the Detroit Pistons, but on his thoughts on the current stage of the rebuild, and if he thinks his career would have gotten gone differently if he was drafted with this group. And he said, "Yes, I think the group is amazing. Casey's amazing. Everything over there is great. We just didn't figure it out." I'm 26. I'd love to write the wrong. Detroit loved on me crazy. The organization did too. I had a lot of growing up and trauma to deal with at 18, 19.
1: Hey, check that, out that check out that comment section, by the way. Cause your boy's in there advocating trying. <laughs> yeah, 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 there <laughs>
0: yeah, man. You're you're tampering. You're trying to oh,
1: tamper. Wow,
0: oh yeah, we got yeah, we got people just trying to make this happen. And listen, I would love to see Stanley Johnson. Get another opportunity at the right time with this team, right? I would love to see Stanley Johnson continue to get second chances in this league because, at when he has, especially his time with the Lakers last year, he was sensational. Mm-hmm. So, at, at points, he was one of their better players when they so, needed
2: him to be last yeah, year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I, and listen, I think that there is a lot of things that we don't know about what happened you know we can only talk about what we see from our our side right we have no idea what stanley johnson went through mentally you know spiritually emotionally we have no idea what that journey's like being being a lottery pick coming into the nba and all that stuff right but guys also at the same time the pistons can just focus on going forward and we can we can say both can be true that we wish Stanley Johnson nothing but the best. But at the same time, I don't know where he get to playing time in this team right now. Is he playing over Bay? Is he playing over livers? Is he playing over Diallo? Is he playing over Kevin Knox even?
1: Yeah, no, probably not. And I think a lot of me commenting and at least trying to get Stanley to join the Detroit Pistons is I need I love. I've always loved his intensity defensively, <laughs> like the Pistons his initial I, intensity. Defensively, oh, yeah, that,
2: yeah, that's starting I mean. uh, LeBron in the playoffs. Really
1: but great. but with, with Stanley, I, I know there's always question marks, especially for Stanley being a shooter. That was never his strong suit. That's probably the the most you know necessity, uh, the most needed thing with this current team. But I don't know, man. I I just would love Stanley Johnson. What he brings, the mindset. I think that for a young team like this. I would love it to have Stanley at the forefront, talking all that trash, taking on some of the better players. I, I, I wouldn't mind it, but you're right, Sean. I mean, the, the more you think about it, where's he playing in the rotation? I don't know, but I would love for him to at least have a roster spot. I mean, it's not like he'd command any money. I mean, it'd be like a minimum deal uh, for a guy like Stanley, but we'll see. Maybe if injuries yeah. arise, maybe there's an opportunity for that. Yeah,
0: Man. And listen, the currently as currently constructed, the team doesn't have any available roster spots. They don't have any available two way, contracts at this time uh, the only way they w- they would get that type of thing um like you said is if there was you know some form of injury compensation or some form of of injury you know uh, reverting there but uh Troy I want to get your thoughts a- as well on you know Stanley Johnson and would you welcome him back and under what circumstances
2: yeah of course i would um i think that era though of pistons basketball is a unique one because you could make the argument of yay you know he represented a time where we did make the playoffs that one year in 2016 Um, you know, got swept by the Cavs who went on to win the championship that year. (laughs) Um, But, and we saw some production out of him and we saw some growth he had. He was kind of a streaky guy though, uh, really on the offensive end. I thought, Um, you know, he had even some stints where you and I, Sean, when we early on in our friendship, we were talking about how we think this guy's playing like a G league player at times. So, you know, he can't be playing like that. If he's ever on this roster, as far as you, like you said, the depth that we have, even at his position, not that these guys, not that Kevin Knox is an all-star or anything like that, or Isaiah livers is going to be an all-star. But what I'm saying is you want those guys to grow and you would hate to take away playing time for a guy uh, who's now a, a veteran really. Um, in, in Stanley Johnson, but also, I you know, we traded years him. old at this point. Right. But you gotta understand too, we traded him for, Thon maker, because we thought Thon maker could have brought better energy on the defensive end and even better production on the offensive end. So that in itself too, should show you our thoughts on Stanley Johnson at the time of his departure.
0: And listen, a lot of that too, you know, when, when you talk about his player development, let's remember who was in charge at that time, Stan Van Gundy, he made the, you know, he made the decision to put Stanley Johnson at the shooting guard position in his sophomore season. Yeah. And to have him focus more on his offensive game when, in reality, what he was doing on defense was perfect. And if he just focused on that, he, in my opinion, Stanley Johnson could have been a, a like a Tony Allen type defender that we would have looked back on like, man, you don't you you wouldn't want to get start guarded by Stanley Johnson that night. Yeah. Instead, out of the league and yeah, it's yeah. that's the thing about a lot of these men lottery round like men round lottery guys man it's a total coin flip it really is
1: yeah you, you, you i'll tell you what you don't want to be in a phone booth with Stanley Johnson i mean we we can get that <laughs> out of the way uh but to your point that's that's kind of the story of of Stanley Johnson is floating around the league not finding a consistent role, even how well he played in LA. You think he'd have a job by now. Like that kind of speaks to where the league's moving. Um, there's just so, especially at the wing position, th- there's a certain thing that every team will ask of you that Stanley just isn't good at. I mean, defensively. Yes, there's, there's some upside there, but you, you just never really saw an expanded offensive game for, for teams to really give him significant minutes. Now he played well with the Lakers, but not good enough to go come back with the Lakers. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Well, I, I personally, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I think you could make an argument. I know Kevin Knox played well against Sacramento. We'll see how that trends. I think <laughs> you could probably make it uh, a case. You could make a case. I would rather see Stanley over Kevin Knox. But even
0: then, but even, even then, that, you're we're nip, getting yeah, to the that point, we're getting to the like yeah. to the brass tacks yeah. of that argument. Yeah. Like,
1: like yeah. who gives up? You're f- getting to the bottom of the yeah. bottom here. Yeah, yeah. You're well, to the
0: how, and, of the and, and listen, in all seriousness, if the team was interested in bringing him back like i said i think we would all welcome it right it's just you know with the right lens with the right expectations and who knows maybe it could be like a thing where lance stevenson comes back to indiana and he has a resurgence because that like that's where he thrived right like the maybe maybe that could be a thing for him you know maybe he would have that renewed energy if he came back to detroit but also at the same time it's just probably not going to happen so why even talk about it anyway from half court is brought to you by manscaped When we talk about post players, there is few better players in the restricted area than our friends over at Manscaped. With great products such as the Lawnmower 4.0 with skin safe technology, the Weed Whacker, their deodorants, lotions, and more. Manscaped is unrivaled when it comes to the men's hygiene game, serving over 8 million balls worldwide. That's a lot of testicles, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're finding yourself in need of Manscaped products, be sure to go to manscaped.com and use code halfcore at checkout because that can get you 20% off plus free shipping. Our friends at Manscaped sent us these products and I can tell you that they are absolutely for real. I have been absolutely satisfied and in love with their entire product line from boxers, t-shirts, the lawnmower 4.0 to the, to the weed whacker, ear and nose trimmer. You can really not go wrong. Be sure to go to manscaped.com and use code HALFCORD at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you again to our friends at Manscaped for sponsoring this video. Let's talk more NBA basketball. Guys, before we get into like specifics and get into teams and like talk a little bit more, like, because we always got to talk all things NBA. You know what I mean? We always start the pod with Pistons, we get into everything else, right? The thing that's been Really weird about this season. We we talked about the parody coming into the season, right? I honestly couldn't tell you who I think's gonna win the Western Conference right now. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Because there's like you could you could legitimately go down go down this list. Let's 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 pull up the standings, courtesy of NBA.com as a recording on Monday, November 21st because we do record this on Monday night. Here's the current standings of the Western Conference. Utah Jazz. Are you telling me that you're picking Utah to go to the finals? I'm not. (laughs) Are you looking me in the eyes, telling me the Jazz are even going to be in the playoffs? Uh, I'm also not. The Phoenix Suns. That could blow up any moment. Mm -hmm. Chris Paul has been a shell of himself.
2: But also could work out at
0: any moment. It is true. Portland, they could boom. They could bust. They're a a Yusuf Nurkic injury away from being a playing team. Yeah. And let's be honest, Yusuf Nurkic is not necessarily sturdy. What the is going on in Denver? With Jamal Murray, we're still waiting for him to get back to himself? Michael Porter Jr. hasn't looked like the guy that they paid that max contract to. Mm-hmm. Jokic has been great. But he's KCP great. and Bruce Brown are awesome. This team could go to the Western Conference. Fi- this team could go to the finals
2: easily. easily.
0: This team could beat out in the first round.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm holding the stock on Denver. I'm not selling it yet. Uh, I think the teams that are probably the most surprising, at least to me, are seven through ten.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's most
1: surprising. I mean, L.A. 10 and 7. OK, Kawhi hasn't been there really I mean, at Jeff, all. before
0: the before the season. The Clippers, you were talking about them going to the finals.
1: Yes, I I st- I like the Clippers now. I didn't know Kawhi would, you know, still kind of be lingering having soreness in his knee, but it is what it is. We'll see how they trend towards the end of the season, but I think you know, the Pelicans. Jeff,
0: I don't blame you for not foreseeing him just coming back for one game <laughs> and then just missing the next 14. I'm yeah. not we didn't have that on our bingo card. Nope, I don't blame I, you. I don't believe I did. I, did, no, I right.
1: I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Pelicans. Sean Mm-hmm. I got to give you some credit here cuz I know they're 8 they're in 8 seed right now. I can see the Pelicans being in that top 6 pitcher by the end of the year. I mean even maybe yeah. if you want to say top 5. They're they're trending upwards. I, they're I like legit, man. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're deep too. They go Number 5
2: deep. looks good too, guys. Yeah. Okay, well
0: okay. But here's the but here's they're, the weird part. Cuz well. you you want to give the, you want to give the King, the kings their flowers, right? Yeah. You started the season 0 and 6. <laughs> like it's like yeah, this team's this team's doing great. They also have just gotten all of their wins in the last 10 games, pretty much.
1: Nine they have a nine. lot of different options, too, in Sacramento, man. It's like they got like five, six, seven dudes who are averaging like double-digit points. So Right, but also Sacramento. this
0: franchise doesn't even know what the word playoffs means.
2: Right, right, right.
0: They have to get the dictionary out. It's been so long <laughs> since they've been there. We got to remind them what the <laughs> it even is.
2: Let's talk about 9-11, and 11, though. Wow, Troy. Not, not no, I'm, no g- I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, I'm kidding. But yeah, let's let's talk about the bottom Dallas, here. Yeah, the Dallas Mavericks, Luca. It it seems like Luca's a li- like a little bit out of gas, right?
1: That yeah, that's it. it. Yeah, like, that's it a good. Like, that's a good way to put it.
0: It looks like Luca. He can only do so much. It seems like Eurobasket put a lot on him. It seems like he's just played an unprecedented amount of basketball over the last two years.
1: You know, you know what, Sean, I know I got to get my, you know, I got to sprinkle in a little petty here. I would be wrong if I didn't. Um, It seems like the Dallas Mavericks need another ball handler. I mean, they're, they're missing their guy, Jalen Brunson. And, And again, for, for all those that believe and you know who you are, how to win a championship is you put the ball in one person's hands and they'll lead you to the promised land. That mm-hmm. ain't just how it works anymore. You need guys, yeah. multiple guys who can handle the ball. And I think Luca's missing Jalen Brunson a lot, man. He's, I think yeah. he put it perfectly. He, he's running out of gas already. It's yeah. a, it's a tough ask for him. I mean, it really yeah. is.
0: Yeah, Spencer Midwitty ain't quite, ain't quite Jalen <laughs> Brunson. You know what I'm saying? No, he's,
1: he's not. Nice, but no, he's not. No.
0: Yeah, and then you get down to the Minnesota Timberwolves, which we've talked about them a little bit literally their starting lineup is the worst lineup statistically in the entire league. And also (laughs) through 125 possessions, Anthony Edwards only passed to Rudy Gobert. Once Rudy Gobert somehow has a teammate that passes to him less than Donovan Mitchell did. How,
2: Uh... how did
0: it get worse?
1: There was that we saw this coming from a mile. You could even say we 10 did. miles, 15 miles, 20 miles away. But, I mean, then, we really did.
0: but then you get down here and this is, this is the, this is the, the biggest point of them all. <laughs> the Warriors and Thunder are in the same spot. They're literally the same team. You have one guard that's playing at superstar level surrounded by a team that's mid. <laughs> Like literally, Shea Gilgis Alexander is playing amazing basketball right now. Oh yeah, he is. Steph Curry's playing MVP level basketball right now. Yeah. Name one other guy on both teams that's playing well right now. Clay had one good game. Okay.
1: You you I guess the only way to be to put it is you know Golden State has that another level, but as of right now, you're right. I mean both of those teams are, are struggling around their their superstar guards. I mean, they so really that
0: are. brings it to the entire landscape of this entire conference. I know it's early. And I know, generally speaking, you don't look at who's leading in the clubhouse at the beginning of the season. You're looking at who's leading in the clubhouse at the end of the season. Right. However, guys, if we're talking about what's going on right now, I don't know of a time this or like at this point in the season where we've had this little clarity about who's going to be contending and who's going to be playing basketball in May and June.
1: Yeah. No, it hasn't been this at least unexpected, right? I mean, usually you'll see teams that we expect to be good. Even if they start off slow, they're still in the picture for golden state to not have a road win. And I don't know if, I think they just won on the road recently that was like their first road win. But, and for golden state to be in that position for, for the Lakers, I I didn't think they'd be very good. We kind of already talked about that before, but for them to be five and 10 really bottom of the West, uh, already a West that's not very good in Portland. I mean, there's so many things in the West that's happening. It really speaks to the the difference between the East and the West and really the the strength of contenders. I think the East, the champions coming out of the East, in my opinion, I think yeah. you will all agree with me there. Yeah. So it, it really speaks to how deep the East is, man. I mean, really yeah.
0: speaking of that, let's talk a second about in my, cause, cause you, you, you hit it right on the head. I think the two contenders right now are in the Eastern conference. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's the Celtics. I think it's the bucks and I think it's everybody else. Yep. And, You know, obviously the the Boston Celtics, they've been great on both ends of the court. Jason Tatum has been phenomenal. Jalen Brown's been phenomenal. You know, like everything that they've been doing on the court has been quite impressive, especially with everything they've been dealing with behind closed doors, especially the Ime Udoka story just being a lingering thing with the Nets situation coming back up, like essentially finding out that your old head coach almost got another job with your biggest rival, like right in the middle of your season. And then going on like an eight-game win streak during that, that's pretty impressive. But also, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, guys. A couple days ago, the Bucks were 28th in offensive rating in the NBA. They're 11 and three. They're 11 and four. A, <laughs> they, uh, they're they're first in defensive rating. And then when when Giannis needs to get him over the hump, he's Giannis, so he can get him oh. over the hump. Yeah. And this team, for the most part. Is And here's the crazy thing. They still are without Chris Middleton. They're still, like, they still haven't entirely had, you know, Grayson Allen available in the lineup at times. Wesley Matthews has been dealing with some stuff. Joe Engel still isn't entirely back in the lineup. We don't even have their full team mm-hmm. currently constructed yet. They're already first in defense. They're not good offensively, but they're still 11-4. and four. Like, how are they not the favorites right now? And just like, wait till
1: Chris gets back and
0: hundred percent help.
2: I think, I, th- I think the yeah. question is yes, Sean, I think um, I, like, as like, Giannis keeps getting better too.
0: Well, yeah. like again, as great as Boston is because they're awesome. Like on both ends, they're great right now. Right. But you talk about a team that's figuring out to make it happen when they're just straight up dormant on the offensive end. I mean, that's impressive. And even Brooke Lopez, through a few games was, like aver- I believe he's averaging the highest amount of blocks in his entire I, career right now. He is. He's averaging a career high 2.6 blocks a game.
1: That's where I was going with it too. I think the player to highlight, not even only defensively, but offensively, Brooke Lopez this year has looked like the Brooke Lopez you saw when they won the championship that year and prior, like he's, he's looked even better. And like you said, defensively, he's took it to a whole nother level. So the Bucs, listen, until you beat the champ healthy, then I, I think you can give some respect there given. But listen, I, the Bucs to me are the the clear-cut favorites, at least to win. I, I, I can understand Boston's in that conversation as well, but one thing that Milwaukee has is they just have this system, this culture that's been already there and still for, for years with Giannis. So, and they have consistency at the head coach position. We'll see how Missoula does. I, I like Missoula a lot, but give me the Bucks, man. I mean, they look – they look incredible and nobody's yep. stopping Giannis. That's just, it's not a reality.
0: Yep. Troy, Brooke Lopez is 34 years old <laughs> and he My. is averaging 16 points, 2.6 blocks, six rebounds, 82% from the line, 40, uh, 50% from the field, 39% from three. And he's playing—he's he's playing 32 minutes a game.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy too that we've seen as a veteran throughout this league. We've known that of him putting up those numbers on on other teams as well, but now the spotlight's on him because he's in you know a, a solid role position on a championship-contending team. And then this is an exciting time for for Brook Lopez in his career because he has the ability to, I think, really. I think he's an underrated guy. I think he's been underrated throughout his career. So I think he has an opportunity now to really show the league. Once, once and for all, you know, as he's, you mentioned, his age is coming up probably near retirement in the next couple of years um, of who Brooke Lopez is all about and who he's been really the past uh, 10 plus years in this league.
0: I mean, guys, we don't talk about this enough, but there might not be a player who's changed their game more radically than Brooke Lopez throughout the course of his career. Yeah. I mean, you see what Brooke Lopez was at the beginning and two, like two, like when he was drafted in 08, 09, he was a conventional post big. Yep. All throughout his career. He would get his work done in the post and the block. He was he was just known for being that that stable force in the interior. He didn't start attempting three point shots until 2016. And then when he did, he immediately started averaging 35% from beyond the arc <laughs> for the rest of his career. And this is a guy that, like, we talk about all these, uh, all these, you know, should he, will he segments that we do. Brooke Lopez is an incredibly interesting name to throw in that conversation. I'd love to have at some point because mm-hmm. his his resume is impressive. But yeah, that's that's been what's impredi- incredibly impressive. And then you, you 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 throw in the fact that Drew Holiday, the unsung hero, the the cons- the consistent force on both ends of the court. What he like, just what he is for them. At all times, I mean, this is just this truly like this truly is the perfect complementary team around Giannis. It really is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They build off of his strengths, which is defensively. And on top of that, I think it's just a great fit. Like for Chris Middleton, the strengths he brings, like you said, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez being able to space the floor, step out and hit threes. It's not surprising that, you know, he he drifted the way of the league and where it was trending. He, you know, worked on his three-point shot. Because, listen. But no man, one did it
0: better than him. It, Literally but, no one.
1: But that hey, not only will that get you paid, but that will elongate your career. It will extend your career. And Brooke's smart for doing that. So, again, all credit to Brooke. He's having a hell of a season. Like, he really is. I don't think people talk about him enough. Like, yeah. the season but, he's having this year at 34.
0: But to your point, guys, I mean, but to your point, though, Jeff, how many bigs? Have we seen, over the years, oh, try to Yeah, translate. to be
1: able to yeah be efficient. Uh, 35% is, I mean, you'll take that.
0: You'll we take- saw Dwight Howard try to shoot threes. We've seen Steven Adams try to shoot threes. We Doesn't saw Andre right. Drummond try to shoot threes. Brooke Lopez went from being a, he, he attempted 0.1 attempts to the next year attempting five and shooting over 35%. He could yeah. have,
1: honestly, yeah. always had it, too. He just he just didn't attempt it in the game. Because for, for to have that type of jump, you've had to have had some sort of experience in your life. Uh, right. Your jump shot had to have looked good. Some but of these for the here and team, now,
2: we know that he is impacting this team. Like, like That yeah. jump had significance in how it's yeah. shaping out the current team that he's on. Which oh, it's
0: elongated his career radically. Right. Right. Because, he, because if he would have just kept being what he was, he probably would have been out of the league, like, out what, league? two, three years ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now... Brooke Lopez might be playing some of the best basketball in his career mm-hmm. and he's not even in his prime. Mm-hmm. Like that's the crazy thing. So I, it, it's just, you know, they're, they're just the, the stable of consistency. Another thing that's been interesting, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they started out the season red hot over the last 10 games are five and five and they've middled out at 10 and six. And they're kind of in this lump in the conference. And that's where it's interesting because, you know, like a lot of teams just like aren't separating themselves. Like right now you talk about, like we talked about, like where the West is breaking down. The Eastern conference is also just incredibly fascinating. Another team that's lower in the standings, a team that's been, you know, a disappointment all season has been the Philadelphia 76ers. Obviously it started with, you know, they, they've just, you know, it started with the injury woes of James Harden. And then over the weekend, they lost Tyrese Maxey for a month. And now Joel Embiid is going to be missing the next two games as well. So uh, Joel Embiid officially will be missing Ben Simmons on court return to to, uh, Philadelphia. But also, if he's out for some time, too. uh Oh, yeah. And, And even then, I mean, guys, let's call it the way it is. Embiid's been playing really well over the last week or so rest of the season, he's looked like a shell of himself. And even then, when he's been playing great and putting up good numbers, he's looked gassed. Like, he just doesn't look like he's in game shape right now.
1: No, he doesn't. Some Something's something's up. It's 76 is whether you want to blame coaching, uh, whatever it is. Something's wrong. Whether the fit between James and Embiid. And to your point, I wanted to say this earlier about the Cavs. One thing, and we talked about this as well on the pod, because we, we've been predicting some of these things, crazy enough. Mm-hmm. It, the Cleveland Cavaliers, in their defensive deficiencies, right? Having a, fr- a front, a backcourt like that with Donovan and Darius, yeah, they're going to score a ton of points, but at times they're going to give up a ton of points. Right. So that's right. kind of been the balance they've, they've needed to find in Cleveland. They got a lot of talent. They have Jared Allen, they have Evan Mobley, they have, they have good front court guys, Kevin Love coming off the bench. But those guys in your backcourt, like they're just. Defensively, it's not even a question. They're liabilities, like as good wow. as they are. So they have to overcompensate night in and night out offensively mm-hmm. to be able to outscore opponents. So um, it's a tough one, man. It really well,
0: is. Well, the other thing too, you look at their schedule. You look at their breakdown of their wins and losses at home. They're six and one. Yeah. On the Different road, team. they're on the road. They're four and five. And there's a lot of teams
2: like that in the league right now. We saw both conferences um, that are. Killing it at home. Even the Mavs are one of them. They're they're what mm-hmm. eight and three at home and one and four on the road, right? I mean, so we can see mm-hmm. um, this is a common thread throughout the league. Um, yeah,
0: this is a common thread throughout the league for sure. But it's also like it's also the thing that's separating them from yeah, those top from championship teams. teams. Yeah, yeah, like teams. The, the, the like yeah. the Boston Celtics. They're seven and two on the road. Part of their greatness has been how dominant they've been on the road. The Jason Phoenix Taylor Suns too. last year when they were really good, they were great on the road and like a lot of these teams in the Western conference right now are atrocious, you know, when they're not playing at home. So it's, you know, it's, it's teams like, you know, that's why like right now, like teams like the trailblazers, they look really promising because like a lot of their success has been away from home. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's not surprising that Cleveland's dealing with that early in the season, especially with the fact that they still have to develop chemistry. They're still figuring out how to play together. And I think the road, like those road losses are just symbolic of that. Right. But I think, you know, getting back to, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers, no matter what the injury stuff is, guys, if you would have told me any point in the season beyond the first week that the Indiana Pacers are ahead of the, of the Philadelphia 76ers in the standings, <laughs> I would be concerned. Yeah. And we're at that point. Yeah. We are there. So it is a, crazy time but at the same time i understand they've had health stuff i understand that there's 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 things about the way this roster is constructed where there's certain limitations but also guys at a certain point doc rivers is gonna i think he's gonna lose his job this season and I, i think it's a matter of when i mean it just i don't think he has that locker room i don't think They've been playing particularly inspired basketball even when those guys have been healthy It's just not looking great in philly the the progno- like the, the 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 long-term outlook of their of their future success is grim
1: mm-hmm. And it's much easier to replace the head coach in situations like that. I mean, yep. you're, not, you're not trading R and you're not trading B. Doc's got to go. And that's been a question mark for for a couple of years now, especially in Philly with how gruesome those fans are. I mean, if you're not winning, someone has to take, someone has to fall on the sword and it's probably yeah. going to be Doc Rivers. It yeah. definitely
0: will be. Yeah, that's, a, that's one situation, Troy, where you can look and see where coaching is awry. Because you can see when players aren't playing for a coach. You can see. When guys aren't listening to a coach, you can see when a culture isn't, isn't what isn't where it's supposed to be. And when it's falling apart because of the coach.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, man, this is tough for me to say because I'm such a big doc rivers fan, but he he hasn't been able to mold this roster into what we honestly are capable of knowing that they can play. Like you look at this roster and you can see, Championship potential. I mean, that's just there. There's no really arguing there. But when you have a guy with a talent like Embiid, and even pairing along with Harden, I know he's been hurt, you know, past couple of weeks, but even you, you got your role players too, Maxi and Harris, who have shown at times that they could be, you know, uh, third and fourth options on on championship-level teams. But it's just not – going well and unfortunately you might have to look at the coach for that because you look at a team even like last year like with Boston you know their coaching helped push them over the hump especially against that Milwaukee series so your coaching matters in this league absolutely and when you're seeing the same story now what are we year four with this Embiid led team now I know the Ross looks a lot different than it did four years ago, especially when you right. look at Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler kind I mean, of, but we've year. seen
0: plenty of iterations of them building around a at this point. Correct. I point.
2: mean, that's no secret. So what, what I'm getting at with it is you're on year four with an Embiid oriented championship level team, and you have not even made it to a conference finals yet. Um, should be concerning.
1: Yeah, I just don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to say it up front. I love Embiid. Um, I love I love what Embiid does, especially how good he is. But the reality is, is he an, is he an alpha, right? Is he a guy that's going to propel you even with the team around him? I know they were close. Jeff, like I'll just the say
0: Raptors. it for you. He's not. The
1: answer's no. They were close against the Raptors, right? The the Kawhi, the bounce around, and and are all their hopes were shattered. But let, I'm with you, Sean. I just don't think Embiid's that dude, and Harden isn't that dude anymore. So it's a tough situation, especially look at the free agency additions. PJ Tucker, by the way. Love what PJ Tucker brings, but at some point you got to take some shots. I mean, uh, let's be honest here. You can't just be a guy running around uh, right. playing, you know, it'd be nice track if he
0: brought them. points to the table, you know, <laughs> like like kind of like what they were hoping he would do. That's yeah. It just hasn't,
1: you know, and that's, it could be coaching. I, I don't know, but it, it's been, uh, you know, upsetting to say the least to watch the 76ers this year. It really has
0: four points a game, three attempts, yeah. right? PJ Tucker's not even attempting two, three pointers a game.
1: Yeah. You can't do that. You got to, I know Again, PJ is one of those guys that you don't always look at the stat sheet, see his impact, but let's be honest guys. Like but said, no, no,
0: but that, what, but that's, that's one that three. sticks out in the stat sheet. Like yeah. when, when one yeah. of your best shooters isn't getting shots, that's a coaching problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's running track. I mean, he's just getting cardio in at this point. That's, that's what it looks like.
0: Yeah. And James Harden, obviously he looked pretty good in his first nine games. But now with the injury, we have no clue what James Harden we're gonna get when he come, when he comes back. We have right. no clue where this team's gonna be at by then. And honestly, it could be too late. And the reality oh, of yeah. it is, this team's not coming back better next year. Like, what's what's the what's the long term outlook of this? What are we doing here? And even then, you bring in Mike D'Antoni. You're not getting out of the first round. No. you need a head coach
1: that brings that accountability. I think Ime Adoka, I'm not saying he's the he's the fix, but something that Ime did really well in Boston is for a team that didn't think that Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum could win together, and then you have Ime Adoka who holds them accountable. They they take that next step. You need someone like that. I just don't think Doc's that guy. I don't think um Mike D'Antoni's that guy. You need but, someone who's hard nosed and can tell it tell it straight. Tell it like it but, is.
0: Here's my question, Jeff is James Harden and Joel Embiid going to take that?
2: Right. Yeah. It's a good it's one.
0: A good question.
1: Yeah. It's a good question. Personalities matter. I mean, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown compared to those two very different mindsets. So uh, I'm with you. I'm going to say the point, ego of Jalen
0: Brown and Jason Tatum is a very different thing than the ego of James Harden and Joel mm. Embiid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these are guys who, who I would say are the two players that care the most about individual awards in the entire NBA. Yeah. Make make whatever, you know, uh, correlations with that that you will. But guys, another thing that we're seeing, you know, just talking about the injuries. You know, we're just seeing the the, the continuation of injuries just all throughout the league, right? Like we're we're seeing with, you know, with uh, obviously with the Pistons with Cade being out and definitely we talked about that, you know, a little bit earlier, but also with with John Morant uh, in, in Memphis, he's going to be out at least the next one to two weeks. Lonzo Ball, as of a couple days ago, it's still come out that he isn't even running or or jumping yet.
1: That's a shame. Yeah,
0: I mean that. I mean that's just dire. I mean the 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 things that are happening right now, like as far as like you know, injuries are always a part of the game, and and it's always a shame to see how it affects teams to a certain extent. But I mean, another one, Lamelo Ball. He came back for one game, and then turned his ankle and sprained his ankle in his second game. I'm a fan too. Yeah, I honestly, if you're Charlotte, why would you bring him back this season? Why would you? Realistically, right? Yeah, you
2: you shouldn't, especially with the deep draft. I mean, and you—that's
0: a team that could use Victor (laughs) Wembanyama. Like that's it. Like that is a team that should be tanking and praying for Victor in all honesty. But I mean, yeah, the, the overall, I I think, I think how tight and competitive things are makes this a lot of fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Because I think now there's a ton of storylines heading into the deadline. Right. Like for example, what teams are going to buy, what teams are going to sell. I think a lot. I, yeah.
1: I, I think a lot of teams are going to be doing both. And Bojan I, might come up in those talks. That's I mean, listen, saying. I
0: think you're going to have a couple teams in each conferences, like each conference, you know, I, listen, I, the Bojan thing, that's a whole other can of worms. I personally, like, I don't know if the injuries change what you do with him this season. That's just me. Yeah. I don't know if the timeline changes with the Cade injury, uh, but I, I, I do think, you know, like the bulls, they could certainly be a seller. <laughs> You know the uh, the 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 Timberwolves. If things keep heading in the down this direction, there's already there's already murmurs about Carl Anthony Towns potentially being the only way to turn this thing around. By the way, didn't I did I not call that in August? You did. There's already murmurs about that. We're not even in December. I mean, guys, it, it's only like a quarter of the way through. Is this not like already the craziest season in the past five years? Yeah, yeah. just with everything that's happened just yeah. in the first two months alone.
1: That's what we love about the NBA—the storylines, yeah. baby. Uh, they keep coming. It seems like at this point. Oh really. my gosh!
0: I mean, like, yeah, and we're—that's not, not even getting into into like the the freaking the stuff that happened at Kyrie's return. Oh, yeah. 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 We're not, we're not getting into that. We're not, that's a whole can of worms that we're just, we're just staying away from. That's a situation I did not expect to develop the way it did. By the way, I know we, I, I think we talked a little bit about this team last week. Did we talk about the Miami heat at all?
2: We talked a little bit of how the green Bay Packers of basketball and how they're kind of, their uh <laughs> their uh, Championship contending is you know going down the drain as we speak, and you also said rest in peace, Kyle Lowry's career. So that okay, you made.
0: okay, yeah, you know, yeah, that sounds like me. Upon <laughs> reflection, that sounds like me. But guys, I mean, they're they're uh, they're out. Their outlook is dire. I saw reports today that Duncan Robinson is now available in trade talks. Guys, Duncan Robinson who they signed on a four year, $120 million contract is currently playing 17 minutes a game and is averaging 35% from the field and 30, ah. 30% from three.
2: Listen.
0: Um, currently they're getting more production from Orlando Robinson than they're getting from Duncan <laughs> Robinson. There's a
2: problem. Listen, in a I,
1: I I always was a fan of Duncan watching him, but, Let's be real here. Let's be real here. He's available, but you can be single and be available. He's available for a reason. It doesn't mean you're going to get in a relationship, all right? So because Duncan's single and and he's available, all right, that's the situation he did. I don't think anybody's going to want that contract. That's just the reality. He doesn't bring enough production. He's a liability defensively. Honestly, good for him, though. Good for him. He got the bag. All right, you collect the bag. But that was a terrible, terrible signing. I mean, that made no sense. Why Toy. would you pay Duncan sixteen million annually when you should be dedicating that money to go sign a co-star for Jimmy Butler? That's not Kyle Lowry because he he isn't that dude. He is just isn't that dude.
0: Is the Duncan Robin signing the worst move of 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 uh, of Pat Riley's career?
2: I'm gonna say it's one of the worst moves. Of the past five years as far as contract wise in the league. Yeah. Because you think about it, you know, he had an okay production definitely during the bubble, and I think that's what got him that contract. Oh, 100% the, it is. He was ch- he
0: was in the bubble, he was a historic amount of, of productive, which is great. Except there's no way he was gonna be able to replicate that.
2: Right. And and I think with that too, where we're at now with it, I mean he's no more he's not even really a massive part of their even role or rotation, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that comes out there, maybe 10 minutes a game.
0: He's not and even a good bench that's player the, anymore.
2: That, that's the thing we talk about with Boyan. It's like, yeah, he doesn't
1: play defense but he overcompensates so much offensively that you have no choice but to play him. For Duncan, mm-hmm.
2: it's... It's the opposite, yeah. It's,
1: well, it's like both. Like, he's not right. really... It's like he can't defend, and he's not really giving anything offensively to even be able to play him. And, and a city like Miami that commands you, if you can't play defense, you got to provide something. And he just... Max
0: Struess looks mm-hmm. better. Yeah,
1: Max. Right. Well, I wonder what Max Struess's contract is. You can pull right. that up. My well, gosh.
0: And even then, whenever Miami was... You know, whenever they were always like not great or middle of the pack offensively. They made it up for it on the other end. They right. made up for it with their intensity, with heat culture, with every their 14th in defense. Like they're, they're just straight middle of the pack. They're 20th offensively. Total net rating is 23rd in the league. This team, we, we, we talked about them losing PJ Tucker and how, even with the fact that they made the, the conference finals this last year, this was still a team coming into this year that just talent-wise was depleted compared to a lot of teams in the conference. And now it's honestly a question of if this team's going to make it to the play-in tournament. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and to Troy, and you, I don't know if you made this point as well, talking about them being the Green Bay Packers of the NBA right now, I, I similar to what the Packers expect out of Aaron, <laughs> You expect, Jimmy, you expect Aaron to overcompensate for the lack of help. Mm -hmm. Father time is undefeated. I'm not saying these guys are are old and and washed, but what I am saying is putting that much of a load on a guy as he's getting older, that's not the right move. And you think people understand that. Like just to think about that for a second, like for Jimmy, you'd think he needs more help. Like the Donovan Mitchell would have been a great move. I know they couldn't get that done. They had no assets to get him, but you need Jimmy to be able to, slowly slowly as he gets older to kind of get some of that load off of him but they just keep increasing it so it's 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 a recipe for disaster it really is
0: yeah yeah and And bam
1: i I, listen i like bam but that might be your trade piece i'm gonna be honest with you right like as much as everyone in miami might like bam it just you just don't have assets that might be your best asset that isn't jimmy
0: but even then how much are you getting for bam that's the question. Like, and, like and, and how much are you getting for and, and like even like Tyler Hero, like how much would you get for him? And even then, like, I like do you, are you thrilled with the money that you just gave him? Right? Like, there's just like, yeah. I just, when, when I talk about future outlooks in the league that I don't like, they're among the top of the list because they, I understand, like, again, I understand, you know, like not wanting to tank and not want and wanting to be competitive in the, and the pride of of consistently putting out the best roster you can each and every year, but in but at a certain point when it's just not working, you gotta adjust, do you not?
2: Good Certainly teams do. It. Yeah, the, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, Jeff.
0: Even Tom Gore's changed <laughs> his mind. Even Tom Gore's yeah. said, "I'm done with this." I don't know, man. There's just a lot with that. That, that. That's just a whole can of worms right there. But I, I I'm just curious to see how things continue to develop throughout this season. You know, we've 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 just, you know, we were we're talking about how eat like right before the pod, we were talking about how each and every team has a player that makes you excited to go to the arena and watch a game. Right. Right. Each and every team has a guy that gets you excited show up except the Hornets but for the most part <laughs> like they have like each and every time when LaMelo's healthy uh, obviously he got stray, yeah. Have that. yeah obviously when he's healthy they have that but I mean there's just so much box office potential throughout this entire league there's so much you know just uh you know just aggressive potential and 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 you know overachieving potential from a lot of teams you know what what before we get to our uh our last segment, Troy, the Pacers are eight and two in their last 10. Tyrese Halliburton is playing unbelievable basketball right now. Benny McMathryn has been a stud since day one. And even though, like, this team hasn't been like a powerhouse in the Eastern Conference by any means, they've had a culture of always being in the mix. Right. And with Rick Carlisle there too, I just think with that and also Halliburton, blooming in year three, I think there's a lot of, like, I think there's a lot of reasons why this team's overachieving right now.
2: Yeah, there certainly is. And they're going to get another dub tonight against the uh, Apollo's uh, magic. And I think, yeah, you spot, you spoke of Tyrese Halliburton too, but another guy, Jalen Smith on uh, the defense has yeah. been playing great too. And uh, I think, Production out of him is going to be important, I think, for them because you know, you already know what your star and Tyrese Halliburton is going to be getting you. But another guy, too, Buddy Hield. Um, you know, we have to understand that this guy is a walking bucket from beyond the arc, and he really has yeah. been a full career. And really, to have to get him in that package for, with Halliburton when you sent Sabonis to Sacramento, I thought was a massive addition to this team. So I think the future is bright and, uh, Indianapolis but I think they certainly have a long way to go and there's certainly I think even you I think you have to trade miles Turner if you want to be in somewhat competitive championship contending mode um, and and you might have to throw in buddy healed for that too and, uh, and I know the the big package and the joke that we've been talking about in the past few months is sending him to LA for Russ Westbrook but I think you can actually get that package and maybe could could go desperate or maybe get some picks uh with those um guys so
0: yeah i certainly think like miles turner is a guy that's gonna bring like a lot of interest from from teams that are looking to contend and get better. I know the other team in LA was reportedly linked to him as well. I think that'd be an interesting fit. But I think yeah. you know it, it's kind of an interesting thing with with the Pacers and with the and with the Jazz right now where you could kind of make the argument where you're looking at them overachieve and you're like, man, you're playing really good basketball right now at the same time in the back of your head, you're like, is this good for us? Like long-term right? Right. Because like as awesome as Tyrese Halliburton's been as backwards as it might sound. And as dumb as people might think I am because of this take, I'd rather be the Pistons at three and 15 right now than the Pacers at nine and seven because of the young talent that Detroit has and also with where they're going to be in the lottery with what they have financially going into like the following years. Like sure. with them, there's a true, there's a long plan and a trajectory here. Yep. This was supposed to be year one of tearing things down and rebuilding. Instead, they're probably going to get another middle of the pack lottery pick, which if they do is going to put them in the same situation they were in to begin the season, but in the same situation they were in when they traded DeMontis Sabonis. Now, they just have a really good guard. They're wasting their career of instead of a really good forward. Yeah,
1: they're they're selling. We're in the process of buying. I think sure. that's the difference. Like the sure. Pacers still have some some things left to sell. I think Buddy Healed, I think the development of Benedict Mathern gives you more confidence in trading yeah, Buddy Healed. Yep. Um, getting rid of Buddy Healed, getting rid of Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that because to your point, the Pistons right now are trading anybody. There's nobody they they would want to trade right now in the roster besides the veterans. Besides Boyan, maybe yeah, Bird. like
0: maybe Boyan, but like maybe. even. And, yeah, and like maybe Burks, but even but, then, like you could argue, like there's still value and reason yeah, for them to right. be on the roster. And I would be like, in that right. camp
2: of right. Of so
0: up. Pistons yeah, right now,
1: yeah, plenty of plenty to look forward to.
0: Most certainly. I mean, guys, it's just each and every time we like come to like get to this podcast, there's always like more and more that I think of, and there's like yeah. more and more things to talk about. Like we touched on the like we touched on the Pelicans very briefly. We could talk about them every week, like. Trey, just Murphy. Awesome.
1: Trey Murphy, by the way, mm-hmm. he's an Oprah, man. Yeah. That kid, that kid is, he's fun to watch.
0: Well, even I was even watching Portland a little bit earlier today, just like how much fun their lineup is to watch like the boom potential with Anthony Simons with, with, you know, with Shaden sharp. I'm excited to see what Portland looks like next year. Yeah. You know? Too. So like we talked about like before the season into the summer, I feel like we were talking about how, how good, grim their trajectory was especially even last year uh you know in the spring when they were just losing a ton of games when they were just you know miserable without dame in the lineup now I think this is the best team they've put around Dame and I would argue that I think they could legitimately get to the finals if dame plays like that guy sure. over the stretch like like there's re- there, there's like there's a path there unlike unlike before-
2: mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good way of putting it
0: so with that guys Let's get to our last segment of the day. Normally, we call it from Mount Rushmore, but lately we've been playing a little bit of a game, a little bit of a series called Should He? Will He? Troy, are we going back to that today?
2: We sure are, at least for the next two weeks. Um, I would like to do that. Heck uh, yeah. Today, we'll be talking about five-time NBA Mm -hmm. uh, All-Star, one-time champion, 2011 Most Improved Player, most Ooh. importantly, my wife's all time favorite player, Kevin Love.
0: Oh, boy.
2: Kevin. Should he and will he make Man. the Hall of
0: Fame? Man, Kevin Love. I'll start.
2: About- I'm going to go yes and yes. You look at the stats this guy's put up, especially early in his career with Minnesota, um, not being able to accomplish much because it's Minnesota, and they, they never even made a remotely effort to putting stars around him. He gets traded for the number one pick in 2014. Um, with, with Andrew Wiggins was the pick. And then you sign LeBron that offseason, and you're automatically in the finals that season. Uh, you come up short to the – uh, the The Warriors and then you win the championship next year and, and him being the third option, the clear-cut third option on that team, but also just the longevity of his career and how, you know, of course, like you said, Jeff, father time gets the best of everyone, but he's a guy that's been consistent and he's just been a true, solid NBA player. And, and although, yeah, he's not an eight-time All-Star, but he's still a five-time All-Star. And really the 2010s era, you could argue he's at least a top 15 player in the league. Well, and um, you could
0: also you could also make a legitimate argument that if he didn't if he didn't go to the Cleveland Cavaliers, he'd be yeah. more than a five time all star. Right, right. Like like you look at you look at the legitimate sacrifices that he made yep. when he went to Cleveland yep. at 25 years old, which was at the apex of his career, which was the season which was the season before he got traded to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He played 77 games, averaged 36 minutes a game. He was averaging 26 and he was averaging 26 and 13 shooting 50% from the field, like 45% from the field, 38% from three. This guy was, this guy was the best player on a Minnesota team. That was sorry, but he was going out there balling each and every night. It was not his fault. They were, they just couldn't draft at all.
2: Johnny Flynn, man.
0: That's a whole other, that's a (laughs) whole other. Should he, will he, that's a man. (laughs) But, but, but with, but with Kevin Love, like what he's been like, even, even when he, you know, in Cleveland was that third role, it wasn't the, it wasn't the sexy role, but it was like, he was consistent. He was productive and he was, you know, like when, when they won the championship, he was such a vital part of it. But yeah, I, I I would say I would go yes and yes as well. I I was going to try to argue, no, just for the sake of making this interesting. I can't. He's just too good.
1: Yeah. And also I think to add in there to just kind of go off your points, Sean, what he was asked to do in Cleveland. That's what I always say. What is, what is the player asked to do? He was asked to be pretty much a spot up shooter. Like that. That's what his role was. Mm -hmm. Instead of in Minnesota, he was getting a ton of touches. He started getting touches in Cleveland in the paint uh, later on, but earlier it was just like, Hey, this is how you're going to fit with LeBron. Do it or don't.
0: Yeah. Rebound the ball. Yeah. Like do, do the dirty work. Be the Chris Bosh of this team. Yeah,
1: and yep. he embraced it. And for a guy, listen, for for all of Kevin Love's accolades, and the difference is, listen, you won a championship, five-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA. The man has fifteen thousand career points, yeah. eight thousand career rebounds. I'm going to go with yes and yes. Yeah, uh, I, I like on, that. Not a
2: lot of people have, but go ahead. Yeah.
1: No, I'm I'm all for it. yes and yes for me for Kevin good. Love.
0: Yeah, good, good, and, good. And I mean, yeah, listen, when you look at everything that that he's done, and you know, you talk about like. Kevin love was really before his time because he was that, he was that beginning of the era of, of perimeter bigs.
2: Right. Right. right? Which is so interesting to say before his time when he's still in the league. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But like truly though, like he was the beginning of that archetype. He was the beginning of that breed. I remember watching this guy play in, in in UCLA Mm -hmm. back when he was in college and it just, he just didn't make sense to watch as he, he just, it just didn't make sense to me how good he was. You know, and it's like I was like, there's no way he's gonna come in the NBA and do that same that same thing. He was awesome in the NBA all throughout his career. And even now with this Cleveland team currently, even though he's not the player that he used to be, he's this like really good sixth man now. That's like like he's genuinely one of the best sixth men in the league. Like with what he brings for them off the bench. So Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where like a couple years ago, like especially like, you know, like before they drafted Evan Mobley, his 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 future in Cleveland looked pretty, you know, looks pretty grim. He didn't really care. Wasn't really a whole lot of reasons to. There's some reasons to care now yeah. <laughs> and uh, a lot to play for. So super happy for him in that regard. It's gonna be really fun to watch. But gentlemen. I always love coming here and talking basketball with you guys each and every week. This is a really fun episode. Always a pleasure to be able to sit down with you guys. Yes, sir. thank you all so much for joining us and being the fourth chair here at From Half Court where we sit down and talk all things NBA basketball, Detroit Pistons. You name it, we talk about it. If you like that, be sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, and share this with your friends. But also, we want to hear from you. We want you to join in the conversation down below. So be sure you comment your takes, comment your opinions. We would love to hear from you, but also be sure you follow us on social media so you don't catch, so you don't miss anything that we're up to. You can follow myself at Sean Halfcourt, my guy Jeff at Jeff JeffIFRady, and my boy Troy at Troy Sergi 44 But with that, folks, we want to thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you guys next time from Half Court. Be sure you subscribe.